welcome to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brennan Jones, joined with Josh Peach, Gabby Heideck, and Alec Bussey. Um, today, we have a very special guest, uh, covered Illinois for the past four years, um, still to this day covers Illinois. Uh, great guy, has his own podcast, you guys should listen. Um, Gavin, good. Gavin, how are you? I'm great, Brennan. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's great to be on the show because I'm actually, a, I'm a pretty big fan. Hey, appreciate it. We appreciate it. Um, so this past week, we've had some Illini news. Uh, Wait, so before we start, I have an announcement. You have an announcement? Yeah, it's Brendan's birthday, so we all have to say yeah. happy birthday to Brendan. <laughs> happy birthday. Woo! Happy birthday, Brendan. Thank you. Right, I appreciate throw it. That in. Okay. Enjoy um, your 20th birthday at home, not at Cam's, getting your <laughs> Have fun, buddy. I'll, I'll recreate the atmosphere. Um, Just wait for 21 though. Yeah, for real. Um, and thank you guys. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so two recruits that we got um, this past week in Brevin Jones, who decided to transfer from Mississippi State, who's a three-star. Um, after he presumably sits out this next year, he'll have four years of eligibility. Um, and Prince Green, who is a junior in high school right now from Georgia, um, joining that class of 2021. Uh Guys, have you have you looked at him? Real, have you looked at these guys really? And what do you guys think? Um, first of all, I think it's best to hit on Brevin Jones just because it happened first. It's a good add because Illinois really has a lot of question marks at the offensive line position after the 2020 season. Alice Walczewski's gone, Vidarian Lowe's gone, Doug Kramer's gone. Um, you bring in Blake Jerzady, he's gone because he's going to be a senior. He's another offensive line transfer that they've added this offseason. Um, and then you even risk losing Kendra Green to the NFL draft if he decides to go after his junior year. So you could potentially be filling all five offensive line spots and adding someone like Brevin Jones who didn't have another Power 5 offer coming out of high school um, from Mississippi State after registering there his freshman year is a good add because it adds depth. And he's been in a college weight room. So it takes some of that concern off of Illinois that this kid that they're probably going to have to end up playing, isn't going to be big enough or strong enough to compete at a big 10 level. Um, he does have some concerns. His arms aren't super long. So his questions are more surrounding his ability to play the tackle position. He's not the quickest, um, but a lot of those things can be shored up within a year. I mean, obviously his arms aren't going to grow super long, but he can get a lot quicker within a year of sitting behind Vidarian Lowe at the tackle position. Um, and it's a good ad because, like I said, it, it gives them depth at a position that they really need depth for heading into 2021. And even if you lose one of your starters this year to injury, which somehow only has been super lucky the last two years at the offensive line position and hasn't had anyone get injured, um, you have someone who at least has more college experience who is in an SEC program and an SEC weight room to understand what it – requires to really just step in and make the right kind of um, evolution into the offensive line. Yeah, I think like we talked about last week with Isaac, how just going through this whole adding transfer process has kind of hurt Illinois' depth, especially on the offensive line. I know Isaac brought that up. So I think this is important. Um, if someone wants to explain, because I'm actually not 100% sure his eligibility. Gavin, I don't know if you would know. Yeah. Um, um, but that is kind of – because I know it's kind of weird. He's going to have four years, um, but he'll have – assuming he doesn't get a waiver from the NCAA, he's going to lose one of those four years. Um, 
for sitting it out this year since he already redshirted last year. Um, but I think his eligibility situation is, is, a, is an overall positive for Illinois because kind of like what Alec was saying, their depth really is pretty poor, especially when you consider on the offensive line, especially when you consider like where we're at in Lovey's tenure at this point, you would have expected them to have, you know, a bunch of two deep guys who you'd feel a lot more comfortable with. And, you know, Illinois has some, some O-line prospects that, you know, you, you don't feel terrible about, you know, you feel Jordan Slaughter might have some potential, but these are guys that haven't been tested at all. Fortunately for Illinois, because they probably weren't ready last year and they didn't really have any injuries. But I think Brevin Jones is a, is a great add, um, as Alex said. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of other programs that are, you know, kind of rated as higher than Illinois after him. Oregon was after him. Uh, you know, Mizzou and Florida State were after him. Houston was after him. And uh, I think Maryland was, too. So, obviously, also for Illinois, you know, at this point, with the way that their their recruiting has been going in the past several months, especially since the pandemic's hit, any ad is a good ad, even if it's a transfer. And, and Brevin Jones is a prospect that, you know, you would think would be able to contribute down the line. So that's pretty huge, pretty huge for Illinois. Yeah, I think that biggest thing is the three years um, that he'll be able to get. Uh, obviously, like Alex said, he's already been in a college weight room. If he has to sit out this year, that's just another year that he can get, you know, bigger, stronger. And then you have three more years. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, we talk about, you know, when they get transfers in, trying to, you know, sometimes they only have one year, two years. But, you know, when you get a guy that has already had that experience and has three years, um, I think that's so impactful to a program. So it'll be exciting to see. And he actually could get a waiver as well because his old coach was fired. But you just never know at the end. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't bet on it, but it's possible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so then we got Prince Green, right, for class of 2021. I think – I know we talked last week again about the class of 2021. I think this is great just to get another person um, in the class. I think – I mean, I obviously don't know too much about him, defensive back. I mean, that's always been kind of like a shaky spot for Illinois. I, you know, covers has got beat so many times this year, so many injuries just to that area. So I think just bringing a guy in, I mean, like I just said, it's just important to, like, build up that class and, like, show recruits that people still want to commit to Illinois. I think that's just, like, the biggest thing right now. Yeah, I, I like oh, – go ahead, Al. I was going to say, I spoke with Prince Green. I guess it was Monday or Tuesday night of this week. And he was telling me in a pretty short conversation, but, you know, he has the ability to play both ways, and he currently plays both ways at his Georgia high school. And he thinks that has really helped him create ball skills, especially when he's playing corner. And it he thinks it gives him a better ability to make breaks on passes and really – allows him to be more aggressive he he's athletic I don't think he's someone who you expect to like come in and play right away at corner but he might have to potentially if you have some injuries he's a good ad he had other power five interests from other schools Kentucky was interested in him I think Minnesota Minnesota was interested in him and if this is going to sound really bad, but like if Minnesota is interested in someone, Illinois might as well be interested in them because PJ Flex really good at recruiting. Um, it's a good ad. It could have been better. It, it, now it turn, comes into, you know, 
turning this commitment of Prince Green into momentum. And that's where they've really struggled with prep kids is that they'll get one and then they aren't able to get a second, third, fourth within a short period of time. And that's all what recruiting is. And you, as an example, like Tennessee in the last like three weeks has had an unbelievable amount of success getting kids to commit. And a lot of them are like full high four, maybe a couple of five-star recruits. Minnesota has had a lot of success as Isaac was mentioning, I think last week on the podcast, getting kids to commit without even visiting campus. Um, so you're seeing the success that it that comes with getting momentum and recruiting. And now Illinois needs to really focus on hitting on another kid in the next week or two. Um, and I love you kind of said, I think it was yesterday on the Illinois like sports spring football pod or radio show with Learfield, their recruiting's going well and that the commitments just aren't there yet, but they're going to come eventually. Eventually you got to see it. And he's been saying that for a while. Eventually you have to see, see it to believe it. And currently we just haven't seen it for a while. So if you're able to turn Prince Green into a string of commitments, I'll believe it, Lovey, but you got to show it to prove it too. Yeah, Alec, I agree that it's more like the the player's good, but it's a big recruiting hit, especially because he's from the South too. And yeah, it's only a three-star, but he did have interest from some other power five and, and one of them being Minnesota, which had a great season last year. And like Lovey Smith's a great guy and everyone, like you said, said he's going to get the recruits, but we are a bottom recruiting team in the big 10 every single year. And to get an early one like this, especially from the South, hopefully creates some momentum and Illinois can get their recruiting back up. Yeah, I'd like to add some context to that because I think those are both, you know, very valid um, statements from you guys. Illinois has two recruits for the class of 2021 right now. Um, and yeah, they've, They've done a pretty good job of, you know, kind of stringing things together really late in these classes here. And most of that's been because of transfers. But, I mean, let's just – okay, so Indiana is in 13th, and they have five commits. Purdue's in 12th, they have seven. Nebraska has six. Northwestern has eight. Michigan State, 10. Like, most of these schools in the, in the top half of Big Ten have double-digit commits. Illinois is just way behind in the prep area right now. And, and you know, I think that – Luckily for, for Lovey, he's, he's been very active in the transfer market and is landing things, and, and they got Prince Green's commit today, so they have something going for them. But, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of reason to be pretty concerned about where this class is. And, and if you're Lovey and the staff, hopefully, uh, for Illinois, they're able to, like Alex said, turn this into some, some more prep commits. Because it seems like if you're being recruited by Illinois right now, it's like, who else is going there with you? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing is like when when people see other people aren't going there, like what like what are you supposed to sell a recruit when you're like, oh, you're going to be the third, you know, 2021 recruit. And, you know, this, this guy's looking at all these other schools that are landing a bunch of people. It's like, wh- I guess, where's the disconnect? And that's the, the disheartening thing about Illinois is that, um, you know, they have a lot to offer. They have a nice campus. They have good facilities. Um, you know, they, they have some some sort of history in the Big Ten. Um, they, you know, they're, it's, it's, it's a great academic school. There's a lot to offer, but I just, I, I don't understand why this, you know, the recruiting is lagging behind. And I guess that's, that's what is hard to see about Illinois. I'll wager, I'll, I'll wager a speculation right now about why things are going so roughly. If you guys will take it. I'll take it. All right. Um, I think the staff, I mean, obviously everyone's in the same position, but I think 
you know, from just, I don't have any like inside knowledge, but just from what I've seen, like covering the team over the last few years and with their recruiting is that Illinois really seems to succeed when they are able to really like get guys, you know, one-on-one and like people can meet Lovey Smith with their family and like stuff like that. And everything's over zoom like this right now, you know, I, I think that they're like a, they really sell like the whole like family atmosphere and like you can't come and see the facilities that are so nice right now. And you can't see the campus. You can't see the, the spring ball that was going to be played. And they're going to have a lot of guys on campus for that. And I think that Illinois is maybe just not as um, they're not transitioning as seamlessly as a school like Minnesota is. And I'm, I'm not sure like, you know, what the personnel reasons for that are. And I really don't doubt that they're not trying really hard. And I don't doubt that they also have, you know, some other guys who are on the verge of committing. Um, you think about Owen Kruitz's son as one guy who maybe um, could commit to Illinois soon. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think, that, I think that makes sense because the U, Illinois doesn't have a recent history of winning. So that's like the first step when you're doing this online recruiting and like not having kids on campus is like having that background. Like, okay, we know this program is good. Like, whereas Illinois, you they're kind of like on the verge of like, are they going to continue to kind of make a bowl game? Or was this a one-year type of thing? And then you have – what was probably going to be their biggest piece of recruiting starting this year was the brand new facility. You can't show that right now. And like, I'm sure they're doing like virtual tours or whatever, but without actually knowing and seeing what that looks like, seeing the inside of it, and then seeing the atmosphere of the campus and Illinois, I mean, whichever recruits were at that like Wisconsin game this year, I mean, they got to see like, what that atmosphere is like. And I think because Illinois just doesn't have that recent history, that's just automatically setting them back one because you, you know, Minnesota can point to, you know, look at this kind of improvement we had, like look at, you know, all these guys who just came in and made an impact type of thing. Whereas like Illinois don't necessarily have that. And Minnesota, we know PJ Flock is just somehow insane. We don't know. We don't know his magic ways. But, like, I think it just starts with, like, the tradition and the history, and that's, like, probably throwing some guys off right now. And the fact you said, Gavin, Lovey Smith is, like, this family person. Like, I feel like meeting him in person is different than, like, meeting him behind a screen. And I think that – it just seems like these coaches need to like do add something like add an element that's not being added. And like, obviously we don't know what other schools are doing. We don't know what's going on, but it just seems like we're continuously like behind this curve. And I think the whole facility was going to boost that this year, but like that just got completely like wiped away. Like that whole element. To continue off like the family thing too, you've seen in the last couple of years that, when the staff kind of as a whole goes after someone, they seem to have a lot of success. Like the entire staff was on the Keith Randolph um, push late because they knew that they kind of were like right there with some of his other top suitors and they needed to get him to commit or they needed to get that full buy-in. And that's where the family kind of comes in. You saw the same thing with Johnny Newton and getting him to flip from Maryland to Illinois. They did that really, really fast. I mean, they had the entire coaching staff down in Florida to visit Johnny Newton. 
And he might be their best get in the 2020 class, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He has a lot of, he's a really high ceiling, has a lot of potential. And when the entire staff is bought in on a recruit and the entire staff is going in on one, you see a lot of success with recruiting. And now with what's going on, like the, I get like coaches are still coaching. They still have their meetings with players. They're still communicating with players. But they have so much more time to recruit because they don't have to dedicate time to spring ball. Get in massive group Zoom calls. Get in big group chats with players and see if you can start to create connection with the entire staff because that seems to be something that works really, really well for Illinois football in the past in terms of recruiting. And there's just a few examples like I listed. Keith Randolph, obviously, really good get especially being from Southern Illinois. And then you get Johnny Newton, a really good get in the 2020 class, who might be your best defensive player in that class. Um, See if you can get some momentum and being different in a way. They have good recruiters on the staff. Bob McClain puts in so much time, and he's always looking at kids, looking at film, giving offers, whatever. We know what Corey Patterson can do. Rod Smith does a lot of of things similar to those two. but you have to get some sort of like whole staff pitch to these kids to really get a buy-in, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so hopefully they can, you know, continue to do that, especially for this 2021 class that is looking so, so slim right now. Um, moving on uh, to another piece of news this past week, uh, Mel Kuyper, who is obviously one of the most respected um, draft analysts um, in, in the business, um, put out his list and, and, um, the Illini have three guys on it um, for this next coming season. No surprise, um, the number one punter um, is Blake Hayes. Number two kicker is James McCourt. And then uh, the number five center in the list is Doug Kramer. Um, this is, I think, really good news um, for a team that has kind of struggled these past five years uh, to get guys drafted. Um, Alec, I know you spoke to uh, Doug Kramer the other day. Um, how did he kind of feel about this? <laughs> Um, yeah, I spoke with him yesterday about it, which would have been Wednesday. He was honored. He said he was honored. Um, he said it was a really cool experience to see his name listed on top in the top five, according to Mel Kuyper. Um, he had a short conversation with Coach McClain about it. And uh, he also echoed that, you know, like it's not enough. Like being in the top five isn't exactly where he wants to be. He wants to be the number one center on the big board, obviously. Um, it, he was honored by it. I wouldn't say he was – completely like blown away because I think Doug knows he's a really good player um, but at the same time I think he was humbled by it and he's looking forward to the season and he said that a lot of the credit that he gets comes from the rest of the offensive line which has been together for two three years now and they played a lot of games together and there's a lot of comfortability there between the three four of them who have been playing together the last two three years and um yeah, he was excited about it. And I think it's a really good honor for him to be named in that area, um, especially as a center, because centers aren't normally drafted frequently because they're a center and they tend to not be, have the ability to play guard or tackle. So if you're listed as a high prior, like a high prospect in the center position, that increases your opportunities of getting drafted. And Doug is slightly undersized to play center at the NFL level, but he's really good at other things. Um and he makes up for his lack of size in the areas that he's good at. I think it's also good just to see, and, like, obviously no disrespect to, like, special teams or anything, but to see, like, Illinois have, like, a top NFL prospect in 
not special teams area, I think is also just a big thing. And you see, you know, what Nick Allegretti did, you know, signing with the Chiefs. And then, I mean, that's insane to me. Like, you go your first year in the NFL and you get a Super Bowl ring. Like, wow, that's just amazing. And it's fitting for him. I mean, I never talked to him, but he, everything I heard, he seemed like just such a great guy. And I think that's the same at Doug Kramer. So I think it's nice to see kind of these guys recognize, and we've talked a lot about just the power of the offensive line at Illinois, you know, such a dynamic line and kind of getting older, you know, veterans. So I think it's important to see them on those draft boards. I think it's also just really cool to see your punter and your kicker up there because, I mean, we all know, like everybody jokes, like those are the MVPs, like of the team every year. And I think Blake Hayes is just like a monster. I mean, did a, I know like, because New England took a kicker pretty early. Did a punter get taken in the draft or no? I'm like 90% sure yes. I don't know when. Probably late. But I think, like, they both have a great chance to obviously get drafted. And I think, I don't know, like, just because they're a kicker or a punter doesn't mean anything different to the fact that Illinois is starting to produce regular-ish talent in the NFL I'm not saying like starting talent or like you know Tom Brady talent but starting to get guys into the NFL obviously you know while they signed so I think it's just important to see some of those guys recognized yeah and I think it's great and watching Blake Hayes was so much fun last year and you have James McCord who headlined the upset of the year in college football but like you guys are saying like these guys don't get drafted that much and it would just be really cool like I'm really happy that we have people on these boards, but imagine if it was a receiver, it was a defensive back, it was if it was a tackle, if it was a quarterback, like just a quick basketball connection. Like if Kofi Coburn does leave, people are going to see, oh, a center from Illinois is going pros. And that's really good. Like I, I love these guys, but like this is a kicker, a punter, and a center. These guys are not getting drafted super high at all. So I think it's a start. I think it's great for Illinois. I think they're fun to watch. It would just be really nice if it was someone of a higher drafted position. Yeah, no. Uh, I think that also, like, I think you were kind of talking about it. Um, going back to what we were just talking about recruiting, I think that that's an amazing way to get kids to want to come. Um, when you say, hey, like, we sent this many players to, to the NFL, this many players sign, this many players get drafted, you know, ultimately a lot of these kids that come to, to these big schools want to play pros. So um, it'll only help in recruiting, which is obviously somewhere that um, Illinois definitely needs. I'd just like to take, to take a moment to shout out my apartment complex because we have two highly rated NFL prospects in here. I'm not going to drop the address or anything, but <laughs> shout out to my neighbors, Doug Kramer and James McCourt. We love it. <laughs> oh my God, we love that. The other thing with Illinois draft like group going into 2021, it's not just like these three who are going to be on draft boards. Like if Adarian Lowe has a good season at left tackle, he could very well get drafted. Alex Polchowski could very well get drafted. He's probably going to get invited to the combine, to be honest with you. Um, Matter Bebe could get drafted. Um, Trayvon Sidney with a good year could get drafted. Ricky Smallin with a good year could get drafted. If Brandon Peters has a really good year, maybe someone takes a late round pick on him. Um, and then defensively, Nate Hodge could get drafted. Um, Jake Hansen probably has a little bit of work to do to get drafted. Um, Milo Eifler, I would say. He's got the body of an NFL linebacker. He could get drafted if he has a good year. Um, there's just more talent. And Lovey's kind of always said that the 2020 
season was going to be the year that you had circled. And a lot of that came from the fact that it was his first recruiting class and that they would have been in the program for a while, but now they're going to become draft eligible. And I think you're really going to see some of the talent that, you know, they've had sitting on their shelves and accumulating the last couple of years, potentially get drafted in the NFL in 2021. Isn't it fitting that our or Illinois supposed best season is coming at a time where who even knows if we're going to have college football. Isn't that just so fitting for Illinois? Like same with basketball. We Illinois basketball was having the best season in death, like over a decade. It's just fitting for Illinois. And I think, I mean, I think this season could be really, really great for Illinois. Um, a little skeptical still, but I think the right pieces could come together but I want to – me and Gavin, I think we should start a petition to get Doug Kramer to the Steelers. Oh, I'm with that. <laughs> He's Ponty. He gets injured a lot. We need a, we need a solid backup. You can rely um, on Doug. You can rely yeah. on Doug. Steelers yeah, see, are listening. I have another Steelers fan in here now. They always hate on me, Gavin. <laughs> Gabby, come on. I'm I like the Steeler country flag in the background. All right, the multiple Steeler yeah. country flags. Yeah, Josh Josh supports Mike Tomlin. So. I just love Mike Tomlin, so I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll yeah. hype Gabby up. You remember when he tried to trip the guy on the sideline? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Dad, you know I know what you're talking about. That never happened. Um, we do not remember that, actually. <laughs> Now that we have two Steelers people on the podcast, can we get a comment on Big Ben's offseason training organization or plans where he says he <laughs> does one yoga session a day, plays golf, plays golf, and drinks beer? If that's not the most Big Ben Roethlisberger thing of all time, the dude is fat. Did you expect anything different? Yeah. Gonna, it's an NFL quarterback. Yeah. Anything. I'm not going to do that. I'm not even going to defend that. <laughs> Indefensible. You, you'd want him to at least throw a football. He said he's not throwing a football. <laughs> he said he's not throwing a football until the end of quarantine. I'd want him to do a play Madden or something. That was listed off. <laughs> Speaking of playing Madden, Brennan, I hear you're horrible at Madden. Bro, JJ lies on me every time. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it, but JJ acts like he beats me every time and he doesn't. It's pretty easy. I interject because. Gabby, I, if you snitch on me. I would say. I would say it's like 75-25. I can live with that's, that. Because I don't play Madden like that, though. Yeah, they don't play all the time. JJ plays it more than I do. Oh, yeah. JJ plays all the time. So, I, I take 75-25. But if JJ ever asks, it's I'm 75, he's 25. Yeah. JJ thinks it's like 100 is zero. <laughs> Have you guys ever played Madden or like NCAA football against someone who plays like college football? No. Have you? No. Yeah. It's impossible. It is impossible. I would imagine they're just better at – because, like, Madden, I mean, it feels like it's really, like, you need to know how to read stuff and stuff. Like, I feel like impossible. Yeah. Like, like, I would literally, like, go up to the line of scrimmage on offense, and he'd be like, oh, you're running this. And I'd be like, (laughs) oh, crap. (laughs) Or you just click audible. And then, like, I don't even know what I'm running because I audibled. And then it's just like, oh, there's another interception. And it's even worse when you're on defense. Like, when you're on defense, you might as well just not even play. That's tough. It's impossible. It's so hard. Um, Not fun. <laughs> I tried playing Madden the other day with my friend's brother, and I couldn't figure out how to throw a pass. 
That's like the easiest thing to do in the game. Press the button, Gabby. I was clicking the button and it like wouldn't go. I don't know. It was like it was messed up. <laughs> it was the controller. It was broken. Yeah, it was the controller. Um, <laughs> He's like, press the circle. I was like, I ain't gonna press triangle. I don't know. <laughs> a little uh, dump off pass to the running back. A little. I'll just run it myself. Let's go. Um, Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, you'll get better with the Steelers, um, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, back to Illinois. <laughs> every year they um, obviously give out the Oscar Awards, which um, every sport has uh, multiple awards, and then they do a bigger one um, for for each like freshman of the year, then athlete of the year, male and female. Um, Gavin, you wrote a pretty good story for Illini Inquirer. Um, so I know you have your picks, but we all have our own picks for uh, freshman of the year, male and female, and athlete of the year, male and female. Um, so I guess – go ahead, Gabby. Before, before we get to that, can we just talk about how men's and women's golf slay the Scholastic Award every year? Oh, every year. The Top women's the golf team has an average 3.69 GPA. Like, that's killer. Like, that is amazing. And they're arguably, like, the best program, too. Like athletically, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Both golf, yeah. I mean, as a whole, golf. But yeah, and then the men's golf won and has three point three two. Like, I just want to give them a shout out. They kill it. They kill it. Yeah. Those kids off. also aren't like in like the easiest majors of all time either. Like generally speaking, like those kids are like legitimate majors. Yeah, no doubt. Not that there's illegitimate majors on campus, but there's definitely majors that are easier than other majors. Well, yeah, like yeah. Like, sorry, guys, accounting and finance, a little bit easier than journalism. I don't know any accounting and finance. Oh, is that a joke? <laughs> I'll take your word for it, though. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't think journalism was the most demanding major, to be honest. Yeah, like, definitely not. More demanding, like, out of actual school. Yes. Like, yeah. the stuff yeah, you, you want to get a job, yeah. Because <laughs> you always have, like, you kind of always have, like, an actual job while you're doing school too but i mean athletes also kind of basically have a job which is you make your journals amazing as hard as you want to want to make it that's what i've kind of decided the actual like to graduate with it is not the hardest no no like if you just wanted to breeze by not difficult but but yeah i just want to shout out the golf team we can go to our um one of my i i was kind of um I guess I'll do male and female freshman of the year, and then you guys can go. One of my um, top picks for male freshman of the year was Jerry G. He was outstanding this year. But I think I have to give freshman of the year to um, the wrestler, Danny Bronigal. Um, he he was outstanding in his retro freshman season. And he um, – obviously, they didn't have a – he made it to nationals, but obviously, they didn't have a national tournament. But he still was recognized as a um, NWCA um, all-American, which is, you know, a great honor, especially for a freshman. Um, and then my female freshman of the year, this was also pretty hard. I, I know uh, Mia Takakawa was was amazing. Kennedy Miles, I saw her a lot. She was amazing. But I have to give it to Diana Brown. Um, I think she really stepped up in that set of role. Um, and even though they, they weren't as good as they were um, the year prior, I think she uh, she was really solid in her position. So those are my two picks. So for my freshman – I I can't go anything other than Kofi. I can't. And I I yeah. can <laughs> I can see your wrestling point and I think that 
Danny was like my very, very close second, along with Jerry G. I mean, he obviously had a great year. Um, but I, I can't deny what Kofi brought to the basketball team. I think without him, you don't have as necessarily as a successful season as you do. And I think he kind of helped along with Io kind of change the trajectory of this program. Um, but I, yeah, it's just hard to argue against him. And then the female athlete freshman of the year, this one was so hard for me. Okay. Because the women's basketball team, not the best of record, but I think you can argue Kennedy Miles had a really big impact on the team. She could literally score from wherever. She has a shot. She plays inside most of the time. She can defend. She can rebound. She can block. Like She can kind of do it all. Very similar to Kofi, except she has more of an outside game, I would say. Um, but – and I, because uh, I, you know, I covered volleyball with you, Brendan Diana Brown. Like, I think she was in a really, really tough position this season, kind of coming into this new role following, you know, legend Jordan Poulter. I think that's a difficult task. I think I'm going to have to go with Mia. Um, I can't say her last name. Tate. Dr. Kawa. Her. From <laughs> gymnastics. Um, she, I mean, you. She had a perfect 10. She had a perfect 10 as a freshman, never even been done before by anybody on the beam in the women's gymnastics program. I did an interview with her, wrote a story for Illini Inquirer about her. Just really great person, too. And she also received a scholarship at the end of this year, which was a really cool video to watch. But, yeah, I mean, she was just amazing. And even after the 10, obviously, she never achieved that again, but she was scoring in the high nines every time she was actually really close to another perfect 10 Mm -hmm. later in the year yeah she was like she had like one deduction or like two small deductions or something yeah she's she's amazing i'm gonna be in the same boat as gabby with my picks um Kofi just had too much of an impact i think to not get the award as much as i want to give it to danny um because we're kind of from the same hometown, and I was able to see those two twins wrestle a lot in high school. Um, I, you got to give it to Kofi. Just the impact that he had on the basketball program, it's too hard to not give it to him, especially when he won Big Ten Freshman of the Year. I don't understand how you can't give it to him for his individual school if you want it for the conference. Um And that's probably not necessarily fair to the other male athletes that are in the conversation, but I think that's kind of a factor that needs to be said. And because of that, I'm going to go Kofi for the male freshman athlete of the year. Um, And as I said, I'm also going to go with Mia Taikakawa. Was that how you say it, Brennan? Really close? Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Doing something that's never been done in the history of Illinois athletics is not something that happens very often. Um, I don't know how long the women's gymnastics program has been around, but I'm pretty sure it's been around for more than 10, 20 years. And to do something that's never been done. And that's not something that you see happen very often. The women's gymnastics program had a really good year. Um, They actually kind of rebounded a little bit more than people thought they were going to. So she deserves credit for that. And being put on scholarship obviously means a lot. And when you achieve something that no one else has achieved in the history of your sport at your school, it's hard to not recognize that person with a little something extra. I, not to be repetitive, but I agree with you guys. Um, I really like Kennedy miles and shout, shout out to Olivia Howell on track. I think she would have had a great year if it wouldn't have been 
uh, canceled, but I'm also going with Mia Takakawa for freshman. Like she was perfect and it's hard to deny perfection, which is, which is great for her. And then the video, like you said, Gabby of her getting the scholarship at the end of the year, I thought that was awesome. And yeah, she was kind of my easy pick there. And then freshman of the year, I really like Jerry G. I think he would have been the face of the program if Eagles wouldn't have come back, but I mean, for Kofi, like so many freshmen of the weeks in the Big Ten, some people are going to argue that him coming back is more vital than Io coming back. You guys have said it all. I'm going with Kofi. I guess that leaves me <laughs> continue the streak of repetition. Um, <laughs> you can't argue with, with perfect. And Takakawa certainly had, you know, an amazing freshman season. She won eight titles, I think, as a freshman. Yeah, I think eight titles. And that's really special because she won titles on uh, on the bars too. And uh, what was her other event where she won a title? I want to say it was vault also maybe. Vault oh, maybe. Um, but she looks like she's going to be a star. Um, getting that scholarship also like might not seem that crazy or it might seem weird to some that she wasn't already on a full scholarship. But uh, in gymnastics, it's really tough to get everybody on those scholarships because they don't have a lot to work with. On the men's side, they also don't have a lot to work with. Um, but, I mean, she looks like she's going to be really a star here at Illinois. Um, and then, you know, I, I think Alec made a good point when he said it's hard to argue against Kofi when you consider the fact that he was literally Big Ten freshman of the year. But can we also talk about how Brad Underwood literally changed – he scrapped his whole defensive plan book from, you know, the previous two years at Illinois to just work around Kofi as a, as a force in the paint and, and inside. And I think that really worked out well for Illinois because you kind of got rid of a big problem that the old defensive strategy had, which was you overcommit, and if you don't force a turnover um, or, you know, really have the other team out of rhythm – all they got to do is throw to their big inside and dunk on you or oop on you. And I'm, I mean, a, a couple games, like before Kofi got to Illinois, it was like you play Michigan state and they'd have like seven alley-oops in the first half and, and you'd just be getting dunked all over. And it's not like, it's not like you couldn't win playing that way, but Kofi really changed everything for Illinois. Um, Danny Bronigal definitely deserves a shout out. And so does Jerry G. Um, Bronigal is fantastic. And I actually did a story about him and his brother for Illini Inquirer in the winter. Um, they were great interviews. Those are, those are some guys that you can really tell. Um, they kind of bring a, a really high work rate to Illinois. And uh, Jim Heffern and the wrestling coach uh, actually made them both co-captains this year as redshirt freshmen. And that's kind of like, on paper, that's a crazy thing to do because they're like <laughs> – they have superiority over all these guys who are older than them, uh, but they seem to to wield that well. He went twenty three and nine, and, and got six in the Big Ten championships. Um, so he, it's really a shame for him too that you know that he couldn't finish out his season and, and really see what he uh, could do. But he's an All American. But yeah, I gotta go. Gotta go with Kofi, of course. Seven Big Ten Player of the Week awards, and the memorable last play of the season: him rejecting. <laughs> Luca Garza to seal an Illini dub on senior night. Yeah. I really want to see that again next year. Kofi <laughs> and Garza are just going back and forth at each other again next year. I, I would love to see that again. It's probable. Yeah. Garza <laughs> definitely got the better of him overall. Garza's significantly a better player right now within their stages of their college careers. I think also shoot from range. Yeah. 
Luka Garza is an outstanding player. As annoying as he is, I understand why Iowa fans love Luka Garza. He's a great player. No, definitely. And then I guess my picks for athlete of the year. This was a little bit easier. Um, I was narrowed down between Io, obviously, and Travis Piotrowski of the wrestling team, who um, I think only lost four or five times um, throughout the whole, whole year. Um, but I'm going to have to go with Io. Um, I think he was just outstanding this year. Um, and obviously so big in the big moments. And it, it sucks that we weren't able to see that in the Big Ten tournament and um, in the NCAA tournament, uh, I think that that would have kind of cemented him more as the male athlete of the year. But but I was definitely my pick. And then for female, um, I think it's got to be Jacqueline Quaid. I think that whole volleyball offense ran through her. Um, like she was she was trying. To, I mean, they tried to set her up probably seventy five, eighty percent of the time um, for her to get you know her swing in. So I think when you have somebody who's that vital to a program, a program that while they lost in the in the um, you know first game of the their NCAA tournament, they still made it. Um, I think she's so vital; you can't really go without her. So she's my female athlete of the year. I think for my male athlete, it would have been a lot harder if this spring finished out because I think Michael Fiegel's would have really panned out into having an amazing season, which is really unfortunate, but also fortunate because he's coming back. Um, but I think he could have easily, not easily, but could have possibly been my choice. Um, same with Jonathan Wells. I mean, he captured his third indoor Big Ten title um, this year, you know, was on pace for, you know, Olympic level. So I think if his season finished out, which I think that's difficult to take that into consideration but also with all things considered I mean Io changed your program this year you changed the face of Illinois basketball these past two years um that's all I really have to say about that because I don't think there's too much argument unless Michael Fiegel's and Jonathan Wells finish out their years um but we'll see Michael Fiegel's back in action thankfully next season um but female I'm also going to have to go Jackie Quaid, but I think Taylor Shagos from Swim and Dive also deserves a shout-out. Swim and Dive isn't historically a very strong program, but they definitely improved this year, and they sent a lot of their team members, including Shagos, to the NCAA qualifiers. Um, so I think she deserves a shout-out, but I think Jackie Quaid, um, not even just in this year, but in past years, has just built helped build Thomas's volleyball program. And just they didn't get as far as I'm sure they hoped this year. And things were a little up and down this year, as we all know. But I think she was still kind of the face, I, the quiet face. She was always kind of like a quiet leader. But I think she stepped up when she needed to step up. And she was always that like kind of like silent glue to the team. Um, so I think it's hard to just argue the impact she's had these past couple of years. I'm going to be in the same boat as you two again. Um, when you look at Io and just the impact he had, similar to Kofi um, being named freshman of the year, Io being named first team all big 10 in what he did for the basketball program to kind of going off what Gavin said when he was giving his remarks on Kofi and how Brad kind of changed everything because of Kofi. Um, think about where the basketball program in particular this season could have been without Io DeSumo playing um, in an orange and blue uniform. I think that that's a really scary thought for a lot of Illinois fans. And he kind of brought 
some like swagger back to Illinois basketball. He gave him an identity again this season where I think Illinois fans were never worried in a game that was a one, two score game in the last five minutes. I think a lot of Illinois fans felt like Illinois was going to win because they had number 11. Um, so because of that, I'm going to go Io as well. Somehow, um, Jacqueline Quaid's right arm didn't fall off in her last two years at Illinois. Brendan, I think you said they set her up 75, 80% of the time this last season at Illinois. Um, she was one of my favorite people to talk to in my last two years covering Illinois sports. She was always so willing to talk to the media. She always gave good co- good quotes. Um, she is going to go a long way in life outside of volleyball because I feel like she just has a lot of passion and drive to be successful in life. And, uh, you know, I hope that she's able to find a way to continue playing beach at UCLA because I think that was taken from her this spring. And I know that's something she was really looking forward to. Um, I know the season necessarily didn't go as well as the volleyball program expected. And we can talk about that another time if needed, but they don't get to where they're at this year without Jacqueline Quaid. And like Gabby said, the impact she's had on that program, I think is something that's never going to be forgotten. And Jordan Poulter is arguably one of the greatest players in Illinois history. And she's definitely the best setter in Illinois history, but you need, Setters aren't always the most identifiable players on a volleyball team because they don't score. They don't get kills. Um, Jacqueline Quaid did that for the last two, three years in an owner uniform. And I think it I think it garners the respect of being named the female athlete of the year. I have the same picks as you guys. Um, for male, if I had to make a preseason pick for next year, I'd go Fiegels because I think he's great and he's going to be awesome. I think it's fantastic he's coming back. But, yeah, I mean, you guys have said it all about Io. Like, look at the – like how he wasn't in crunch time. He had six shots, something like that. He did a celebration with the, with the crowd. I loved it. The team, he's turning around recruiting. Like, we might not get Adam Miller if it's because of him. Like, I know. I was like focused on one year, but like he's just turning the program around. Like I said, you guys have said it all about IO for female. I'm also going Jacqueline Quay, but I'd like to shout out Tristan Nowlin because she was the first person I ever interviewed uh, as a member of the Daily Line because I, I covered women's golf and she dealt with probably close to 10 of my stupid interviews. So <laughs> shout out to her. But yeah, I mean, for Jacqueline Quay, like look at Illinois volleyball. I think Thomas is a great coach and they have a talented roster, but if when I'm looking at this award, where would the team be without one of these athletes, right? And Jacqueline Quaid just provides so much for the volleyball team, is like a huge part of so much of their success. And yeah, Jackie Quaid is a pretty easy pick for me. Yeah. Um, well, before I do what y'all did and name the same athletes as my <laughs> athlete year, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out a, a major problem with these awards this year, and it's obvious the problem's coronavirus. But um, I, I think it was Gabby who said uh, maybe about Jonathan Wells. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Wells would have been a real contender for this, and actually he, he might have been an undeniable winner for this had uh, track actually unfolded because he he did have a shot at qualifying for the Olympics, and he won. Um, He's won the the long jump and the high jump titles at Illinois. And I think his high jump title, um, he actually uh, didn't win the the high jump title 
uh, in the indoor championships this year. He got fifth. He had a, a relatively bad performance by his standards. He would tell you he had a bad performance probably, um, but he won the long jump. And to do that is is really special. No Illinois athlete has ever done that. Um, and Jonathan Wells, I've talked to him a number of times throughout my career at Illinois. He is a, a fantastic person. Um, and I think Alec said that, you know, Quaid is going to go really far in life outside of her, her sport. I absolutely think that about Wells um, from a track and field perspective. He is just a, a really smart guy. He works unquestionably hard. Um, and then, you know, another guy I want to highlight is, is Piotrowski, Travis Piotrowski from wrestling. He went 27-4, 27-4 after moving up a weight class. He was just wrestling at 125 for his entire career before this year. Um, like Danny Bronigal, he's an All-American without having, you know, the NCAA tournament. Um, he was 14-0 in duels. So that, that's pretty impressive. Um, and then the other one I wanted to highlight was also, I, I like to, uh, Josh shouted out Tristan Allen. I liked her. I liked that shout out. I wanted to shout out Bella Loya from softball because she had a superb sophomore season last year and she didn't really get a real chance to follow it up. She played in 22 games or something close to that. Um, and she was hitting about 300 in that, which was second highest on the team. But I think she's someone who um, had a massive impact. But yeah, you know, I'm going with Io and Jacqueline Quaid as well. Um, I don't think Illinois would have been in the NCAA tournament. I know the field wasn't announced, but I don't think Illinois would have been in the tournament without Io. He basically won them like at least five games where he was the difference. Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State. And then you think like, Maybe even like Rutgers or Northwestern at home. Those could have been losses without Io. Uh, he was a big factor in why Illinois came back and almost beat Miami. And he was, you know, the reason why they were in some games that they lost. You take that away, and not to like criticize the rest of the team or anything, but you take that away, and Illinois is probably not an NCAA tournament team, even um, as opposed to being a lock. And then, and then Jacqueline Quaid has a similar effect on Illinois volleyball. You know, every team that Illinois played, no matter who they were, the whole season doubled Jack and Quaid. And she had, you know, statistically not one of her best years because of that. But also, you know, Illinois had other hitters who were pretty good. And she created so much for them um, just by demanding the double teams from everybody. And, and she still punished you, even through the double teams, hitting around you and through you. She's really a, a fantastic player. And uh, as Alex said, you know, there's been some really great Illinois volleyball players, but Quaid, like Poulter, she's going to be remembered for a long time. Yeah, no, definitely. Another guy is Brandon Comia, who obviously was off to a, a start. He was so on fire, but um, obviously with COVID-19, that's something that we, um, wouldn't, we, we weren't able to see out. But, uh, well, Gavin, uh, thank you so much for coming on here and joining us. Uh, it was, it's always fun to talk to you. We love you. Um, you guys, thank you guys so much. Uh, I guess my only birthday wish is that you guys, you know, like, rate, and subs- uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, this has been the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. Thank you.